We'll ask Sean Little this because he's a Bulls yeah. fan as well. What is fun about this Bulls team, though? You could say, okay, DeMar's fun. Is he, though, at this point? Is, is Zach Levine? N none of them. You can ask him there that. I'm just going to bring on him. Sean Little, sports betting <laughs> analyst for MSG Networks. We'll get to the Bulls in a minute because that's going to be Ryan's thing with you. Uh, we were talking earlier about the, the straw poll that ESPN.com, you know, they do that and they poll all the people that can vote for MVP. And Nikola Jokic ran away with it. 77 of 100 first place votes. He's a heavy favorite now to win MVP. He's gone all the way up to minus 210 uh, at BetMGM. Where are you on the MVP race and at this point, is it Nikola Jokic's to lose, and we'll finally have a three, uh, you know, our third, our first three Peters since Larry Bird. Yeah, go get your tickets now. I think it's a wrap. Yep. Minus two ten. It's only going to go up from here. The the only argument you had was, you know, this dude puts up a bunch of numbers, and no one's watching him in Denver, but he's super efficient. But they don't win. Now they're number one in the West. They've been rolling. They're absolutely unbeatable at home. So there's no there's no real holes to pick through. I mean, voter fatigue. I, I guess it's it's more real in the media than it is in the actual room when the people are putting ballots. And I think Jokic gets it done. And this one, he he really deserves. It's funny. I had a conversation about like so we know how Nash has. Uh, so Kobe only has one, and a lot of people say, "Yo, Nash." The second one Nash got should have been Kobe's. That, that was kind of a little bit of an argument I had with my, a group of my friends that maybe MB should have got the last one. Well, this is this, this MVP for Jokic this year will for sure confirm that he at least had two of three, and a lot of people think he'll, he should have had three in a row, and he will. I'm curious. Uh, we're talking about All-Star break and who could maybe make the jump. Uh, Boston was just above 500 at the All-Star break last year. Everyone was killing that team, saying that maybe they needed to trade everybody or blow it up. If there was a team this year at the break that's sitting at 500 that you think could actually make a significant run in any way, who do you think that would be? Man, that's actually a really good question. Maybe potentially – I, I, hate, I hate Atlanta, but I guess Atlanta – because they're sitting at 29 and 30, I believe, in the East right now. Maybe Atlanta. The I, I really want I want the Pelicans to be good so badly, but the the whole Zion situation is they're not going to win and, and do anything without Zion. I, I, wait, wait Trista, I just I just figured it out. You were trying to get me to say the Warriors. Our Dubs, come on now, 20, <laughs> 29 and 29, baby, and now they got Gary Payton the second. Yeah, I mean, you got you can't count them out. I just I can't figure out the why for those dudes. Like when it, when it's gonna start getting really really tough down the stretch with the loaded Western Conference, especially with how well the Clippers have been playing with the Boogeyman back. Who that's my nickname for Kawhi Leonard. Um, I just I, I don't know if they they could they could lock in and beat a couple of those teams in the West in a seven game series. So I'll say Atlanta just because the East is a little softer. Um, and the New York Knicks seem to be unstoppable. But I think Brooklyn will slow up a little bit now. I think Atlanta can make a little bit of a leap here. Sticking in the East, actually, Boston plus 325 right now at BetMGM to win it all, plus 130 just to rep the East. Who gives them the best series? I mean, Brooklyn blew things up. Milwaukee looks really good, but now Giannis left this game with a wrist injury. He's probably going to end up being fine, but still, Middleton hasn't been healthy all season long. And then none of us trust Philadelphia, but they are 13-1. to Who do you like in the East other than Boston? Yeah, other than <laughs> – I actually said the other day on the betting exchange on MSG, I, 
1,400. This is a couple of weeks to win the East. So I was like, hey, I think that number's too big. I like Philly, but when it comes down to it, me and everybody else, kind of, we need to see it from Philly. Yeah. Like, Doc Rivers isn't trustworthy. Neither is James Harden, so we'll see. One thing I feel about Milwaukee is they're kind of resting on their laurels and hanging out with Giannis a little too much, in my opinion. They need to be emptying the clips. Like, at the break, they didn't do enough. They need to add players. The roster is old. I love Bossman 99, Jay Crowder. He hasn't played in eight months. Like, it's, like that's a good addition, but I feel like they're, they're wasting some time here with Giannis just because they're just banking on Giannis being Giannis. Middleton's been in and out. I get that. I heard you call Lopez 50-plus years old. <laughs> He's been playing well, but th- th- I feel like they could add and go get a couple other people and be a real, real, real issue. Right now, it's just like, yeah. same team we've seen. Are they going to be able to beat? It's kind of like, oh, Middleton's back, so that's the only reason we, we, we couldn't beat Boston last year. And it's like, ah, is that the case, though? Sean, we saw a lot of movement at the trade deadline, as expected, and we've got a really wide-open NBA. In fact, I think the parity we have this year, especially in the Western conferences, it's the most we've had really in a long time in this league. It makes it harder to bet on, but it also makes it more interesting. And from a fan's perspective, for me, I love seeing it. I want more parity. I think it makes the league more interesting. Now, as we head to the All-Star break and then get ready for the last 30 or so games after that, clearly the Suns are going to be a team that's on the rise. See what I did there? Suns on the rise. Thank you. That was good. That was my joke. Uh, with Kevin Durant there. Yeah. You, you add Kyrie into Dallas. When you look at just big picture now, is there a team or two that you look at and say, they are going to take a big jump post-All-Star break. And I know the Suns are the obvious choice, so maybe we take the Suns out of that. You can throw them in if you want, but maybe anybody besides the Suns. Yeah, I mean, the Suns is the obvious answer, right? But a, a big step, I would say that there's been some times where Cleveland was really good to start the year, had a little lull in the middle. I, I, I'm obsessed with this roster construction and what they got going mm-hmm. on over there with Donovan, who clear cut they're they're one of the only teams in the NBA that everyone's role is clearly defined like Donovan's going to go and get baskets Garland's going to get baskets and run the show Jarrett's going to get putbacks and rebound and Moby's going to play D and also score here and there I really love them I love their roster construction they probably need some more time to to run around together but the the cream is already at the top right now right like I, I don't see anybody breaking breaking out and making a huge, huge impact. Unless Jalen Brunson continues to score 40 a night, but that's going to be tough to do. I'm curious, this is a player-driven question versus a team-driven question. When Cam Reddish was drafted or right before the pre-draft process, you had R.J. Barrett and Zion say that he's the most talented player in that, in that Duke class, Cam Reddish. Now he goes to Portland and actually gets Portland gets a first-round pick to take him on. Balled his first game uh, in Portland. How do you think Cam Reddish, or what do you think Cam Reddish can be as someone who's watching a lot of Knicks games, saw a lot of DMPs, and saw Tibbs kind of keep him in obscurity? Yeah, he, it, from a guy standing a little close, I was, I was super close when he was at the Knicks, but I don't know Cam Reddish and I haven't I've never spoken to him, but it seems like he just needs to get in the right situation where mentally he's very comfortable and free. If you watch the press conference of him getting introduced with the Blazers, it looked like he even his face looked like a completely different dude. 
I go over to the Madison Square Garden all the time and watch shoot around. I love watching shoot around. I love catching the vibe, seeing how people look, seeing how people feel. Game in and game out, Cam Reddick's so, perfect example. Evan Fournier, he gets so much work in pregame, it's crazy. He always puts in a full 40, 45 minute workout. Derrick Rose is another guy, still t- comes out, even though they're DMP and they're getting tons of work pregame. Cam Reddish would come out and sit on the bench and with, with headphones on like he was listening to classical music. And he would just sit on the side. And the game would start and he'd go get dressed and just sit on the bench. He just was completely disengaged with the team, the franchise, everything that was going on. He needs to get in a situation where mentally he feels good and they're going to let him, I guess, offensively, you know, be involved and, and feel like he's wanted and is involved. I think it's a mental thing. He just hasn't found the right spot yet, and hopefully it's important. John, some are saying the Lakers are back last night, their <laughs> biggest win maybe in franchise history. Any shot that they get into the playoffs, are they a playing team? What do you think ends up happening with LeBron this year? Yeah, there's a shot uh, that they get in the play-in, I guess. They're only three games out, yeah. two games out of the play-in. The, the, the whole LeBron situation is actually really interesting because it's very clear – First of all, I don't like how he handled that whole Kyrie situation. I don't know what LeBron James is doing tweeting out. Maybe it's me, uh, eyeball emojis when, like, yo, you're supposed to be the leader that's running the squad, and that's just not what, like, big, big big-time leaders do. I didn't really appreciate that. Also, it's very clear that he essentially was like, I'm going to break the scoring record today and then take 10 days off and go to the Super Bowl and hang out for a little bit, then I'll come back when I want to. Uh, I think it's very clear that, he knows this roster is just not it. And anytime in the past, since he's been to LA, anytime he's realized this roster is not going to get it done, he's not super locked in. He takes games off and he relaxes. And he tries to re-up and get some guys in next year. So I don't even know how many games LeBron is going to play. If LeBron decides he wants to play in the play-in, they'll play the play-in and they'll play it hard and potentially make the playoffs. If he decides like, yeah, I don't really feel like dealing with this, they won't, and they'll, they'll stay in that 11, 12 range. But this is a different roster than the one he was disinterested with before, right? I, I, I love what they've done with this roster. I think they're way better now. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I love, I love Rui. That's my favorite addition uh, of, the whole, of the whole lot. But still, he still took a week off after that. He was allegedly hurt, but he was fine. He's fine. So I, I just don't I, – I don't really understand that the – his mentality sometimes, but listen, listen, if we saw the game, if he wants to score 35 a night, it's no problem for him to do that. that. That's not an issue. The Thunder have been a solid defensive team all year. He went out and broke the record at will. He asked his son, should I go get the record in the second half? They said, yeah, and he went and got it, no problem, and then didn't score a bucket after that. One so bucket. One he, bucket. Yeah, if he, yeah, one bucket. So if he feels like making the play in and actually competing – then, then he'll do so. Sean, what was your favorite underrated move at the deadline? I, I don't think enough people were talking about Luke Kennard and Memphis. Mm. He, he hit two threes the other night, yesterday, against the Jazz. They are desperate for shooting. He adds a little bit, and, and if he can continue to do what he is literally in the NBA to do is knock down three-point shots, That'll be a that'll be a big addition for them. Uh, they they desperately need shooting. They want to just try to run you out of the building every day in transition, and they need that half court shot making. 
that he brings. I don't think enough people are talking about that. Really quick, before we let you run, we have about a minute. Just want to get your thoughts on the All-Star game from a betting perspective. What are you betting on? I mean, my favorite thing to bet on is the three-point contest. I, I always have a lot of fun with that. I think it's, I think the, the structure of it is really fun. And I'm looking at Halliburton. I like guys that don't use a lot of energy on, on their shot, and he does it. Dame is another guy that has the, the flat-footed three-point contest form down pat. Um, but I like Halliburton. That's my favorite. That's my favorite uh, event to bet on. I'll tell you a quick story. One time, I lost a hefty amount in my younger betting days. I bet the under in the All-Star game, and I'll never do that again. So. <laughs> <laughs> and that was before they were putting up 200 points each, I, right? <laughs> I took the team that played the Harlem yeah. Globetrotters against my dad one time. <laughs> <laughs> he gave me 24 yeah. and a half points, and I still lost. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Little, MSG. Thanks for coming on with us, man. Good talking to you. Yes, you already know. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you soon.